I don't know when it was, but I kind of had this like awakening moment. I'd say probably in like high school and the middle school maybe, where I was like, I was certain that I don't want to work a job. Like I want to work for myself. Ever since, ever since I kind of realized that, that I just want to like be my own boss and report to myself and not really be like responsible for anyone else's work. Blake Ross, founder of Firefox. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook. Steve Jobs, creator of Apple three young and successful entrepreneurs. People tend to see teens as angsty, rude, and irritable, when in reality, teens can be some of the most successful and creative people. Welcome to Now I'm Here podcast. This podcast aims to teach the younger generations that no matter your age, the possibility of success is within arm's reach. All you need is a little perseverance and a strategic mindset. Like Walt Disney said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Dare to dream. Now to our host, Sydney Jacobs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Now I'm Here Podcast. I'm your host, Sydney Jacobs. Today, we actually have a peer of mine who's currently attending the Schulich School of Business, just like myself. Cheyenne is a full-time student, but also has started up two companies, Rapidlease and Online Tutorial. He's a great example of putting your mind to something, and you can really accomplish anything that you want. Hello, Cheyenne. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Sydney. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So you have two companies, correct? Oh, yeah, I do. So let's talk about where did the idea come from to really start these companies while you're a student? And how do you manage to be a student and, and run these companies? So, I mean, initially, uh, I've, I was always kind of tutoring on the side as like a side job back since around September, September 2019. And then it kind of started, it started to grow. I was getting a couple of students. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, kids weren't really in school, so it was like the perfect opportunity. You know, uh, that's really where like my my preparation and a little bit of luck came into play, and I was able to use that as an as a as a way to kind of promote my business, right? I was able to reach out to parents and uh, kind of tell them like, hey, your kids not going to school for a couple months, so why not get tutored by us? So with tutoring, I actually run that with my mom. So we, we started that together because she has a she's a really like long background in teaching. She's a teacher by profession. So she was able to also use her expertise to network and get clients. And now we're kind of running this together. We have around nine tutors. I'm actually gonna have an interview right after this call because we're trying to hire someone. And we're trying to reach 50 students. That's kind of the goal right now. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Do you find it difficult to kind of tutor and manage the the nine employees that you have? while you're also in school focusing on the academics i mean it's it's crazy like 60 hours a week it's like working more than a full-time job so obviously managing school plus i gotta hire people manage payroll do scheduling and coordinating with all these parents is a, is a lot of work gotta work around that right so i feel like it all comes down to time management and just being on top of your work so I know for myself, like with the podcast, when I was in high school and I had sports and clubs, it makes it kind of easier to really manage your time. I, I noticed for myself, like at the start of this year, when I didn't have all these other things that I was used to having, it was almost harder for me to balance school uh, with knowing like that I have a podcast scheduled at this time or I had hockey at this time. It really forced me to push when I'm going to do school and, and not postpone it as much. You kind of find the same thing for yourself. Definitely. Like, for example, like, let's say I, I have a I have a tutoring class, right? And I have a lecture right after. 
I, I, won't, I don't even have that like little five minute buffer to like get a break. And let's say if one of my one of my students' classes get extended, or maybe there's a situation with a parent that I gotta like miss out class time with my lecture, or sometimes if I if I have a lecture that I'm trying to get done, or I'm talking to my professor after class, I can't get to my student immediately, right? So it's like my schedule is so tight that I don't even get like five ten minutes to check my phone or take a little breather. So it's definitely a lot of work, but it all just comes down to uh, just working around like your schedule and having that good time management. So let's talk about Rapid Lease. What is it? Kind of give us a bit of a background. So Rapid Lease is uh, me and my dad do that. My dad primarily runs it. So the way it works is uh, let's say you're a landlord and you want to rent out your property, right? You don't, you, you don't really want to be wasting or spending your time trying to do property showings and checking people's credit scores and doing background checks. As a, as a landlord, you, you just kind of want to hand that responsibility to someone, right? That's where we come in. So let's say you're a landlord. We'd approach you and say, hey, we noticed that you're trying to rent out this property. Uh, we can get this off you and rent it out for you. We do all the running around and property showings. Because some properties, they you can't really rent them out until you do 20, 25, 30 showings, right? That's a lot of work. There's nearly 30 hours of work that's going into it. So we kind of take care of all of that. We do all the paperwork. Uh, we collect the initial deposit fees and everything. So the landlord doesn't really have to worry about that. They just hand us, hand us the keys and we take care of the rest. So being a, you're a business student, we both are. Yeah. I think one topic that a lot of people have is like when you're, you learn so much more from real life experience than what you do in school. So being someone that has this experience both in education as well as yeah. the real life experience, where are you finding the overlap? Like with the courses you've taken so far or that you plan on taking, let's say for this year, are you finding it beneficial to be able to apply to your working life or are you kind of finding them like two different things? Oh, a thousand percent, thousand percent for sure. The things like, for example, you could probably relate to this uh, back in Management 1000, Intro to Business. We learn about barriers to entry, things of that nature, right? Kind of differentiating yourself. Were these concepts that you already knew? Like the five forces, I, four Ps, did you already know these before taking the course or did you only learn them from the course? I, so here's what happened. Like I was like subconsciously applying them, but I didn't really realize it until like we learned it in class. And I'm like, oh wait, I remember trying to brainstorm these things. And then... I kind of like, I was already applying some of those things, but I was also missing certain components to it. Like, for example, um, in economics, we learned about dynamic pricing, about yeah. how you charge different people different things. I noticed I was already doing that, right? So, for example, for, for my tutoring business, for elementary school students, we usually charge them a little less because it's their, their work is usually not as strenuous. And I realized that, hey, I could really use these like price elasticity concepts and dynamic pricing, all these things to kind of better my business and make it more profitable. I feel like people who, when you go to school, if, you, if you're in the mindset of already working, you're able to take these concepts so much more. For example, when I was taking science courses in high school and it was a concept that I could apply to like my daily life or something that like I could feel, I could experience, I was able to comprehend the concept so much better. So like exactly. if we're just looking at the five forces, you know, you have the threat of new entrants, bargaining power of suppliers, 
bargaining power of customers, competitive rivalry, and the threat of substitutes. And those are like Porter's five forces. And Mm -hmm. for me, like having just learned these, they were just words. They were just explaining like, is it hard to get into this business? Can your customers deny your price and go somewhere else? But for you, you were really like seeing how that works in real life. You were able to really take the material and apply it to better your company. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And what what that what that point too? Like, I was I'm, I'm always brainstorming ways to differentiate myself from other people, right? Especially nowadays, with with there, there's a lot there's a lot of like online tutoring businesses like coming up like popping up because people see it's a it's a lucrative market. So with all these people competing, you really have to find a way to differentiate yourself. Because, I mean, after all, tutoring is, is, is just a service. Anyone can provide it, right? But it really comes down to, like, what do you provide that other people don't? So, so really, pro- go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so, like, one of, one of the new strategies we implemented was a free trial lesson. So I feel like that's something that people usually don't. You, you, who says no to a free trial, right? Especially when I'm making cold calls and I'm, and I'm talking to a parent. And I'm like, hey, just... Let me know what day you're available and we'll give you a free trial lesson. There's usually people charging 40 to $50 for a, tri- for a tutoring session and we're literally giving that to them for free. And while, while giving them free things, we also like to build value for our brand, right? Give them, give them like extra things like a, like a lesson plan and worksheets to kind of, and, and build, build that relationship with the student to really make the parent feel like it's like a tailor-made solution to their tutoring needs. Like, it's just so amazing. Like in our marketing class last week, we were kind of talking about like what makes a company successful? How do the top companies really get ahead? And like the things that we were discussing, you're directly applying to your company. How can you stand out to be that better company? Because we know like, I think it's only 10% of companies survive after five years. And then of that 10%, after 10 years, I think only another 10% survive. So that's like, not a lot mm-hmm. and you're able to apply those mm-hmm. concepts to your business which is amazing like you're probably getting so much more out of what we're learning than most of the mm-hmm. students in our program mm-hmm. do you enjoy yeah. that oh i love it i love it so much because i don't know when it was but i kind of had this like awakening moment i'd say probably in like high school and the middle school maybe where i was like i was certain that i don't want to work a job like, I want to work for myself. Ever since ever since I kind of realized that, that I just want to, like, be my own boss and report to myself and not really be, like, responsible for anyone else's work, it's kind of when I realized that I, I have to do something on my own and I can't really be relying on other people or another business to give me a job, right? And with what you're saying, like, how easy it is to apply these things, like, you, what, what most people don't realize is when you actually start your own business, a lot of these things just come to you naturally. In order to survive or even make a like, decent amount of revenue, you have to at least start to apply some of these basic concepts, such as differentiating yourself and you know proper marketing, marketing tools, marketing strategies, sales strategies, pricing lists, and all that. If you could go back, let's say a year ago, oh. you were applying to universities, starting to get into some schools, and you already mm-hmm. know that you want to be an entrepreneur. Was there ever a part in you that was like, I don't want to go to university. I just want to do it myself and figure out the path. Or do you feel like where you are now is the path that you need in order to see the most success? 
Um, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Back in like grade ten, um, I think it was like grade nine, grade ten. I felt like school was kind of like not that important. I I felt like it was unnecessary. Because if you know what you're doing, like what's the point of going to school, right? But I had a reality check that that's 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 like an egotistical way to think that I know every everything type of way. And when I got into grade 11, I realized that, hey, if I want to grow my business, I need to at least get some level of education and learn from people that are in the industry, right? Every, a lot of people like idolize that like dropout millionaire type of dream. And I'd be lying if I said I never thought about it. Like, obviously everyone does, but I have to realize that that's very realistic. That's like 0.001% of people. That's the Bill Gates and the Mark Zuckerbergs in the world, right? And no means am I on that level. So I have to realize that in order to learn and in order to like learn like the key fundamental aspects of running a business, growing like your brand and things of that nature, it'll be like very, very important for me to go to business school. Plus I enjoy accounting too. So I felt like if I knew how to do accounting, have like the fundamentals to grow a business and even get the experience of being around like other business-minded um, business individuals, it would help me take my skills to that to that next level. So what are your short-term goals? Like let's say over the next four years that we're at school, we've got summers off. Are your goals to work on your own business? Or are you going to try to get internships at like KPMG, Deloitte, like different firms where you can maybe, you can be an accountant, you can work for Dell, like doing different things. What's your goal? What do you want right now? So I'll be honest, for like the last few weeks, I'd say last few months, I've been really thinking about that, like, do I want to do an internship? And I feel like if I if I do an internship, it's not going to be for the work for the sake of saying I did an internship, but it would be to learn from those experiences. Because once I could see how, for example, KPMG or a big firm like that operates, I feel like I can apply a lot of those practices to my to my own business. So that's that's kind of the goal. I feel like I want to get at least some experience. But my plan after graduating is I just want to get straight to just running my business full time. And the same businesses that you have now, or you have other ideas and you're just going to take what you have now and just keep growing, growing and growing with what you have. So right now it's like the three main things for me are online tutorials, rapid leads, and I'm also doing a little bit, a little bit of investing on the side. So that's kind of like my three main focuses right now. And obviously as time goes on, I want to focus on more things. I want to get into real estate. I want to start investing into other business ideas as well not really be as involved in those just kind of like fund those and then be, be focused on like my main two businesses but obviously as opportunities come around i still want to take them can we talk about some of the investing for a bit because i know with a lot of my peers and my friends a lot of them don't realize the power of money and like really the mm -hmm. potential that you have with investing something as simple as just like interest just in your bank account or like putting your money away for like one year on your bank account it's not a lot of money, but you're making income that you don't have to work for. You don't have to do anything. Exactly. What What are your thoughts on that? Like, do you want to go into real estate, stocks, uh, like entrepreneurs, startups? What Where are you looking right now? Uh, and you, you really like hit the nail on the head with that one. Like, you want to be making money in your sleep. Yeah. Right? That's how you really reach that wealth. There's and no better like, feeling. I, mm -hmm. There's no better feeling than like waking up, going on your phone, and being like wow, like I just yeah. made money and all that I did was sleep. Like I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to do a thing. 
I just had someone do a job for me and I got money for it. Or like my investments just went up and I just made money from it. It's amazing. There's no better feeling of like fulfillment from that. And I mean, why why are people even in school? Why are people trying to get jobs to make money, right? So exactly. And with investing, people got to realize like, Nowadays, when, when people get a $500 check from work, they go and spend that on a pair of shoes or some clothes or a nice dinner, right? I feel like people really got to realize that that money that you have right there, that $500 that you're spending on a pair of shoes could potentially turn to $2,000 if you put that into a into a mutual fund, right? Yeah. In a couple months, in a couple of years, that, could, that, that money could potentially have a lot of growth to it. Rather have a pair of shoes, which is a depreciating asset. I wouldn't even call it an asset, but it's, it's yeah. a depreciating item or something that's growing in, in, in your account, right? So when it comes to investing, right now I'm just kind of into just long-term, like buying into stock positions, into long position. I uh, also want to get into day trading. So right now I'm like learning a lot. I'm surrounding myself around people that, that are active day traders so I can learn from them. Eventually, my plan is to buy property within like the next two years. Wow. Next 20 years, that's the goal. Yeah. So hopefully I can rent that out, flip it, make a profit and keep on keep on buying more stuff with that. I think something that's so interesting is how much are AirPods? $200? Let's uh-huh. say $200. So in July, you could have bought a share of Apple for $90. So let's say for the price of your AirPods, you could have bought two shares an apple Mm -hmm. fine that's that it is what it is now you have your airpods they've Mm -hmm. been used they're six months old or a couple months old they're not good anymore they're there's a new version now they're old so that's where your 200 dollars went with your airpods your 200 dollars right now you you would have made that much money you would have made 40 (laughs) bucks times two you would have made 80 bucks in just a couple of months so you either you bought those airpods and now they're they're crusty old airpods there's a new version coming out wow (laughs) you don't speak broke you have airpods or instead of showing that off and buying the airpods you would put your money in you would have made 80 dollars just like that and and that's usd too Mm -hmm. and that is just such a crazy concept like for me it's i can go spend $30. I'm putting lights in my car. I really wanted LED lights in my car. And I've been so hesitant to do it because I'm like, I thought that they were 50 bucks, but whatever. I was just like, it's 50 bucks that I don't have to spend right now. Like I'm not working because of COVID. So I'm like, that's $50 that I don't have to spend. Mm -hmm. I can either spend that on LED lights, which cool, it's going to be aesthetically pleasing in my car. Wow, amazing. Or that $50 I can keep for passive income. I could have invested it in a stock. Mm-hmm. And once that thing's in my car, it's not adding any value to my car. My car is not an asset. Mm-hmm. It's depreciating. Whereas yeah. the stock, it's going up. I can make dividends off of it. Like exactly. so many people don't know that. Yeah. I mean, uh, my biggest, I feel like my biggest move with stocks is probably Tesla. And are wow. you, are you, like, you, you trade, like, you trade or uh, you buy stocks? Um, I'm more holding them for long term, but I'm, like, yeah. pretty up in the market. And, you know, I thought about that Tesla stock, but it was just, 
it was too much for me to put into one place and i regret that so much i mean i gotta show you something basically back back in march when everyone was getting their like st- cerb stimulus checks people got what 1200 22 000 yeah, around that amount right? man you could have bought tesla back then i don't know if you see that but that's like 114 it's, it's around that 109 yeah <laughs> look at that. it's near it's 826 usd right now that's absurd you like you put it you bought two tesla stocks each time like you could have bought they were 100 yeah. bucks you got 2000 you could have bought 20 tesla stocks from one check yeah that it actually grew 1200 percent. so imagine that one crb check that turns to that grows by 1200 percent. that's insane that's <laughs> It's the power of money. And, you know, the issue with, like, talking to, like, my non... I'm not trying to shade my non-business friends. If you're listening, no shade on you. But I just... I can't have these conversations about money. And, like, they just look at me and, like, it's constantly as though I'm, like, trying to brag when I'm really just trying to, like, teach them and be like, dude, you gotta learn Mm -hmm. this. Like, it's gonna help you in the future. Like, the money that you have now is worth so much more when we're 18, 19, 20 then it's going to be in 30, 40 years. Why is it just sitting in your bank account? Why are you blowing it on on these like materialistic things that don't matter? They're not going to help us. That's a fact. That's a it's, fact. Have you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I've heard about the book, but I haven't read it. Phenomenal book. I'm not done it. I'm a very slow reader, but phenomenal book. You should fully read it. And it kind of talks about like the lower class, middle class, and like the high class. And really talking about how the middle class try to make themselves seem like the upper class by mm-hmm. buying materialistic products. Whereas to get to be the upper class, what you really do is you're keeping to yourself. You're yeah. working on your own things to develop that portfolio, to develop whatever it is to get yourself to the next level. So instead of making income and spending it on expenses and liabilities right away to make yourself look rich, well, you're spending it on ways that you can make more money. You're keeping kind of that low profile. And then you're going up when you're when you're content, when you're settled, when it's safe to do so. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if you've like, noticed it, but it's usually the people with a lot of money that have a beat up pair of slides, a Walmart shirt, and they look they don't look like they have that type of money. Right. Yeah. But they usually have like a million in their checkings account. What does this like make you think of like for your futures? Like when I think of it, it's like really like pushing myself to really like focus on these things to really like take everything that I'm learning. I mean, at Schulich, we're getting taught by professionals. Uh, we're not really being taught by professors. Yeah. Graham Deans, he's a partner yeah. at Ernst Young, like a consultant. Um, my accounting teachers, like their actual accountants, our marketing teacher, I think he worked mm-hmm. in the marketing field. He went to Schulich, like, we're being taught by professionals yeah. that have real life experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super beneficial because sure. they're not just giving us the academic perspective. What do you what do you think? Like what are your thoughts, mm-hmm. feelings on that? I feel like in my personal opinion, in in, in my in my case, I feel like that benefits me. Cause what I could do, and I was actually thinking about this last week. I wanted to talk to our uh, marketing professor. I could I could stay five ten minutes extra after class and be like, "Hey, sir, or hey, I have this business and I'm thinking about implementing this new idea. Like, what's your thoughts on it?" 
because they've been there. They've consulted with literally million dollar companies, maybe even into into the billions, right? <clears throat> so I feel like kind of getting their input on certain ideas and certain things that I'm planning on doing could eventually help me. I'm basically getting, like for example, Graham Graham Deans, right? If I want to ask him, that's basically me getting cons- consultation help from a partner at EY. You feel me? Yeah. And I'm, it's not like I'm paying anything for it. No. <laughs> well, tuition, but you know, but still, the the point is like with all these professionals, it, it kind of puts me in the mindset. Seeing how they explain certain topics in class and in that sort of sense, right? Seeing their mindset and, and their outlook on life in certain situations, I get to realize that I got to change my mindset to kind of look at things from their perspective as well. Yeah, it's it's almost different being taught by like a real professional because um, my accounting teacher, like they've said, like this isn't something that you're ever going to use in real life, but it's in the textbook. We have to learn it. And it's it's really showing like you can enjoy these things. Personally, I don't like accounting and finance. Numbers really aren't my thing. But having these teachers, these professors that are accountants, like my accounting teacher last semester, she has her own firm, like she does like accounting. It's amazing to see that it's possible that you can enjoy it and that it's not just all textbook stuff. Yeah, that's that's what I love is like, it's not just the stuff that we're learning in a textbook. It's so much more than that. And the person who's teaching us understands that. Yeah. You, you, you made a really good point there. Um, a lot of people, especially, for example, high school, right? You learn about literally like in science, for example. I never liked science, by the way. So I'm going to bash it a little bit right now. But in science, you, you learn like damn near useful, useless topics. Like how do atoms combine and molecules combine? Like. I will never need that in my life, right? Like you will <laughs> never need that. One could one could debate if you're sick, you do need that. You need someone to need that. But I mean, I I, I do got I do got this though. <laughs> you're just gonna go like search up on WebMD what's wrong with you, like oh um I have a cough and a fever. Oh, I'm dying. Yeah, I mean honestly, I just never found like science as an interest to me. Why would I ever need to know, like, how photosynthesis works? Stuff like that, right? But with, I feel like business, I could directly apply that to my life. I could, like, look at companies. I could look at the stock market and be like, oh, that company is doing well because of this, this, and this reason, right? So I feel like a lot of things that we learn here, we could directly apply to real life. And one of the reasons for that is because we're being, like, taught by professionals. If we were just being taught by a teacher, they would open up their textbook, read chapter 2.3 and we just kind of do that right we don't really get that perspective to apply that in the real world and that i feel like that's that's a really like good thing about shooting so let's let's look at your companies at what you've done what would you say is like the biggest roadblock that you've hit or like the biggest downfall have you ever made a trade where like you lost so much money or like just done something in business and like you fully just fucked up and you're like wow like that's a mistake but next time i'm gonna do this this and this instead i'm trying to think i feel like this if this was a roadblock not really like a mess up on my part but just trying to get clients right some months are gonna be slow some months are gonna be great like thank god and i'm so grateful for this 2021 like the last two weeks i've been like insane i'm getting clients left and right 
and I know like eventually you need some like, more tutors. Was, yeah, we've been like we've been hiring like I literally like I like I said I literally got an interview right after this, right? Hit up the description so, if you need a tutoring job. Yeah, for sure. If anyone needs a job, just let me know. So the thing with that is like some months are great in terms of like getting new clients and other months are slow. Obviously, the good thing about this is that usually when a, when someone signs up, they stay for like a long period of time, right? So it's recurring income. But still, I, I measure growth by how many new clients we get every month and how many we keep. So my goal is to get at least five to 10 new students to sign up every month. So that's kind of been a been a struggle. Some months, like people just don't need tutoring, right? For example, if it's if it's winter break, December was a slow month for us. Who's, who's gonna get tutoring during Christmas and all that, right? So that was kind of a roadblock in terms of like the business. Another roadblock would be like training employees and still managing school. That gets a little troublesome too, because I gotta manage, I gotta tutor my own students. I gotta train this new tutor that we just hired. So with that, I feel like a lot of systems implementation comes into play. So you probably gotta hire someone to train those people. I'm at the point where I really just, I can't do everything by myself. My mom can't be doing a lot of stuff either, right? My business partner. So you got to start implementing a lot of systems. I've hired, we hired someone from a back office to manage all of our accounting stuff. Um, so they kind of take care of that. Now I don't have to be like counting how, who signed up and who's doing our accounts receivables. Someone just does that for us now, right? So one issue would definitely be like trying to take everything onto yourself and not being willing to spend that extra money to get that help from someone. And what I notice is when you spend that extra bit of money, let's say you spend $200 to hire someone, right? And they do that work for you. It makes things a lot more efficient because now you can spend that extra time, do other work and make you more money. So at one point you really got to realize like the is it, is it worth spending like an extra hour or two on this when someone else can just do it for me? So that was like one of those things where I, where I had to get out of that like save money mindset and I had to get into more of like a investment mindset, right? That, that's a really hard bump to overcome. And especially like yeah. giving up part of the responsibility onto someone else. I feel like when you start a company, it's almost like your baby and you want to like have as much control of it. And putting, uh -huh. giving the work to someone else, as much as it's going to benefit you 100%, it's scary to to give up that that job, to give up that position, that time that you've been putting in, and to put it in someone else's hands. Yeah, definitely. And that was a, that was a big roadblock. It's it, but it's not really even like a mistake. It's more of a mindset that you got to get out of. You got to think. You got to think like a businessman and not someone that's just trying to like keep as much money to themselves as possible, right? Obviously, in order to operate a business, there's a lot of like operating costs and things of that nature. And in terms of investing, like my biggest like mess up that I that I kind of faced was just being a little too hyper, just uh, not really making sane decisions. If I see a stock doing really good and everyone's raving about it on Reddit and all the forums, I'd buy into it. And I put like a significant amount of money into it and I buy into the hype and it would drop the next day, right? So I noticed with that, like, you can't really let your emotions play into a lot of things. You gotta make sane decisions and you really gotta like rationalize everything before, before doing it. Can we talk about your portfolio? Would you be open to talk about that a bit? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. 
So what what are your stocks you hold in your portfolio right now? So right now, I'm kind of focused. Let me let me actually open this up. Yeah, quickly. for sure. So my focus at the moment is a is a bit of energy. So specifically, Suncor and Enbridge. Okay. Yeah. Because luckily, they really dropped off a lot. And my reason being for that is because energy is going to be huge in like the next few years, especially with Enbridge. They had a recent um, merger. Um, just taking a look at this right now. Um, another big, another one of my big players is Neo. So they make cars as well. You probably heard of it. Some other ones. I got a lot of mutual funds. Okay. What are your thoughts? Mutual funds or ETFs? Which one do um, you go for? Like, so I'll tell you some of them right now. Uh, so actually not mutual funds, my bad. I'm going to say index funds. Okay. So I have like around four different S&P 500 funds. Okay. I feel like that's, in my opinion, that's one of the best like low maintenance investments you can make. Like you literally put your money away for like five straight years, every single month, putting like $100, $200. And it's going to continue growing at a steady rate. And I feel like S&P 500, it's going to have bad days, but in the long run, in 10 years from now, your money can damn you double. So I feel like, in my opinion, that's like the best low maintenance investment. For me. Is your portfolio higher than 10K? Uh, Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Like for someone like, your age? To be honest, right now it's it's just under 10K. Okay. Like all all CAD? Like it's it's under 10K CAD or 10K like total all currencies? Um, Under 10K Canadian, but it's like almost there. That's... I'm just waiting on a deposit to complete on that. And what was your like initial investment into it? How much money did you I mean, put I started, in? I literally just started with like, so I turned 18 in September. And no, since then, don't. I kind of started. You turned 18 in September. What was your initial investment? I started with 500. No, you started <laughs> with 500 and yeah. you haven't put any more money in. Oh no, like obviously I've put a lot more into it. How much around have you put in? Like, what what percent growth? Let's ask this: What percent growth is your portfolio at right now? In the last few months, I've seen probably around twenty to twenty five percent growth. That's yeah. crazy. That is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing, and like that's what I tell my friends. Like when I speak about mm-hmm. stocks and like why it's so important. You've done well, nothing. You've put that money in and you've let it grow, and twenty percent is absurd and then you reinvest that money you compound it you get dividends but with that though i will say that tesla was probably like one of the biggest reasons i got to that point like tesla played a major major role in that because like the last few weeks i'd say they just were going crazy tesla's popped off they played a, they played a major role in that yeah that's that's amazing like good for you and that's the problem so much like we're not taught financial literacy in school. We're not uh-huh. taught financial education. Even in a business program, we're not being taught these type of things. We're being taught like how to be a good accountant, how to learn, understand economics, what is marketing. But we're not learning these things yeah. that everyone can do. I wouldn't say easy, but it's something that if everyone learned and put time into learning, anyone could do. Mm-hmm. and it's so important it will benefit us so much in the long run and people are just so unaware something as simple as like a tfsa half of my friends mm-hmm. don't have them don't know what they are 
Yeah. I have friends three years older than me that don't even have their TFSAs open. And it's mm-hmm. just like, don't you want to be able to make income without having to pay tax? Like, it's such a small things yeah. that are going to help us so much when we're older. I got a question for you. Um, Like, how do you, like, learn about, like, stocks and, like, financial literacy? Like, where do you get your information from? So I'm reading the book. That's kind of, like, giving me a basis. I've read, like, a few things on that. A lot of my friends kind of, I listen to things that they say, do research, I've mm-hmm. been really into like watching the market. I wouldn't say like I'm crazy into it. My portfolio is pretty small just because like I'm still like, kind of learning. Like I don't want to risk all of that right now because I'm still learning how it's working. But I would say I've probably been like watching mm-hmm. it in classes. I would like go on to it probably since like grade nine or 10. So I've kind of like started mm-hmm. to like, you know, be able to like connect different news things. Like if this is going to happen, how is this going to affect this stock? learning about kind of like what's this going to do in the long run is this like short-term stock something that i should pull out of now Mm -hmm. as much as i can learn these things and kind of focus on this it's unpredictable you really never know you can the one thing that i can say that like is for certain is don't back out because of there's a crash you know everyone who pulled money Mm -hmm. out in march because of the crash i wouldn't do that how do you learn like how do you learn all of your stuff so Percy, there's a there's a YouTuber that goes by the name of Graham Stephan. You may yes. have heard of him. Yeah. But that guy, I've probably learned more from him from his YouTube videos than I have in probably high school. I'll be honest. I'm always you. like, I'm on financial TikTok, and I like I see all these yeah. things, and like, you just have to take everything that you see online and really do your own research. You know, so yeah. like when he tells you like, oh, this is a good stock. Oh, this like. Let's learn about this. Let's look at the candles, blah, 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 blah. Like, you need to do your own supplementary research before doing any of that. So the thing with him is he doesn't even get to, like, the technical stuff. Like, he doesn't show you candlestick. What he'll do in, in his videos is he'll pick a stock and he'll be like, I'm investing my money into this because of this, this, and this reason. And he explains everything. with, And, like, he, he has more of a general overview, right? He doesn't show you what stocks to invest in, but he shows you how to invest or how to find stocks. He kind of shows you like what fundamental aspects make a company strong and make them good investments. That's like, important. That's very like, that's more, I mean, it's the same, it's the same old saying, right? You, I think it goes, if you get someone fish, you feed them for a day, but you, if you teach them how to fish, you feed them for life. Yeah. So that's kind of what he teaches. He teaches you how to find those stocks and how to make sound investment decisions. For sure. That's, it's the most important thing, like knowing why you're doing something. Mm-hmm. I think with that, um, we'll call that, that was a great recording. I loved talking to you. You had some really great insight. Thank you so much. Maybe we'll have you back on in season two and we'll see how things went and where you're at now. I really loved talking with you. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And once again, that's Now I'm Here podcast. All of the information for Cheyenne will be in the description below. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and catch you the next episode.